listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 254. Happy New Year, Vage. Happy New Year. And audiences, Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, I hope everybody had a fantastic holiday season. Yeah, so these questions are a little bit of a mixed page because we had the holiday season. Some of these questions were from... Oh yeah, it's First Friday Q&A. Yeah, from December. We have actually a couple already in January, so we just Oh, this is actually going to go out on the first Friday. Yeah, a little never happening. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so people... I hope you had a great holiday season. Come on, leave us some reviews. This is like the third week in a row we haven't had reviews. I don't know. I can't keep and up. Usually we have so many reviews, we don't know what to do with them. So please, 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 if you like the show, leave us a review. We'd love to have a five star. If you don't like the show, I don't know why you're listening to it, but but let us know what we can change and we'll take a two star, right? But this is First Friday Q&A. Let's get into the questions. All right. Of course, as we always start, it's Ludwig Huff, ready presentative Huff profit for Paige. I hope your dog gets better the soonest as possible. Nothing than the best. Thank you so much. It's been really hard a few weeks. We thought the worst was going to happen, but it did not. Tucker's slowly getting better, and I'm just hoping we don't have to have surgery on his spine for his IVDD. So Tucker's actually here helping. Well, he's occupying one of his gazillion beds <laughs> right next to me, so he doesn't try to climb stairs because he can't. Right. Not no, to. he thinks he can, but he shouldn't. Well, no, right. So anyway. This is not the, the dog health show, although right. it thank, could be. <laughs> no, that's not why people are listening. But thank you, Ludwig. I appreciate it. Okay, so next question. Hi, Mark. Listening to your podcast was a galley hand now harassed about. Was wondering what other steps I could take to move up in the industry and or if you need anyone helping with recruiting slash marketing to help the industry. Thank you, Ricardo Lanes. Ricardo, I'm going to reach out to you separately. We would love some help, especially with our volunteer student outreach program. But if you start off as a galley hand, which basically means you start off as a cook, maybe even a dishwasher, now you're harassed about, that's a great move. Other steps I would suggest, go take some craft labor classes. Find a trade school, go learn machining, welding, pipe fitting, something like that. You will never need to worry about a job again. You'll make good money. And it's a natural progression up. And you don't have to waste time in college. Not not that there's anything wrong with going to college. But that would be my first thing is, is find a local trade school, pick up a, a skill, a trade, and that will be a great future for you. And by the way, once again, thanks for offering to volunteer to help us out. We love it. The industry needs it. So Ricardo, I'll be reaching out to you separately after this. All right. Next one's from, I apologize in advance. I'm going to butcher this. Eugene Balfour. Alamo, petroleum engineer at NEU Petroleum Lab, graduate in internship. Hello, Mr. Mark. I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. Can you please help me get a graduate internship at an oil and gas company in the USA? I'm, how do you say that? Ghanaian. Ghanaian, okay. And I have a BS, BSc yeah. in petroleum and natural gas engineering. Thank you for helping me. So I reached out to Eugene. The problem here, quite frankly, is visas. You don't yeah. have the right to work in the States, and I get it. So what I did, there's really not much I can do to help you the visa. OGGN has a big reach. We don't quite yet have that type of reach where the Office of Immigration listens to us. 
give us time though. But anyway, so I actually what it is, I connected him with the local SPE Ghana chapter. Oh, who, cool. Who can then help him go through the process, find a company that's willing to sponsor his visa. So Eugene, I hope that was helpful to you. And I really appreciate you being a listener, but that visa thing is something that's really hard to overcome unless you can find a company that sponsors it. Yeah. Hopefully SPE Ghana was helpful to you. Okay. Next one is, hi, Mark. I've been listening to you and Paige for a while and love your insights. Thank you for putting forth great content. I'm actually not in the industry, but I research oil and gas because I own and operate in an apartment complex out of Big Spring, Texas. Hey, we've been there. I wonder if we've been to his apartment complex. No. Why would we? No. Why would we? Oh, no. We stayed at a hotel. uh, Yeah, hotels. Yeah. But anyway, we've been to Big Spring quite a few times. Keep going. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I came across this report by David Hughes questioning the veracity of EIA shale forecast concluding that EIA is too far optimistic about potential production. It was covered in oilprice.com as well. It appears well-researched, so I would love your insights perhaps in an upcoming podcast episode. Thanks and happy holidays. How about we do it this episode? (laughs) (laughs) So I actually read the article. I actually saw it before you sent it out to us. The article, to your point, is well-researched. It's based on facts. It's not based upon opinions. And there's a lot of truth there. There's a couple of things, though, that I disagree with. One is right now, what is this, January of 2022, we're in the middle of the world's worst energy crisis that we've ever seen. It's really interesting, Paige. You're seeing almost no coverage of it on TV. Like the news organizations aren't talking about anywhere. And if you do hear about it, it's either in Europe or it's, it's basically in Europe. But they, what they don't talk about is the rest of the world. And so that energy shortage is going to get worse. In fact, I saw a forecast today that if Europe's getting ready to – they've had a warm winter so far, but they're getting ready to have about a two-degree drop. If they have a three-degree drop, they're going to run out of natural gas to heat their house. Oh, homes. my gosh. Yeah. That's how close this could be. So one of the things I disagree with is the demand side of this. It is true that the cost of unconventionals is huge, and especially in the shell plays, and the production, the decline curve is immense. So you don't produce those big number of barrels for years. You do it for for weeks or months. But there's so many new technologies coming in that are lowering that cost, and the demands could go up. So this report is also a little bit dated. I think they used the best information they had at that time. I don't think they had noticed this the world's energy crisis and the price of crude being over $80 a barrel. So I disagree with this in the fact that the market demand, barring our political system, will be there to keep the non-conventional shell wells up and operational forever. Now, the one thing that will get in the way, of course, is if our politicians add cost to this, and if we add enough cost to the operation in the shell fields, we're just going to buy hydrocarbons from overseas, and then at that point, not just the shale fields will have trouble, but all of the U.S. production will have trouble. I don't think we're going to get there. I'm actually kind of optimistic. Even though our current administration seems to be doing everything they can to hurt our industry, we're on a roar right now, right? So I just think it's cool. Even to the fact that there's you know deep water leases being auctioned off in the Gulf and yep. the Biden administration, one of the first things they said is they'd stop those federal auctions. They need the money to fund their programs. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. So I wouldn't be too worried about I wouldn't be too worried yep. about your apartment complex. In fact, I bet if I called you today, you would tell me that not only is your apartment complex full, but you're probably looking to build another one because everything's coming back to, to the, that Midland area. But anyway, thanks for the question. Great question. All right. Next one's from Taylor George, Senior Associate at Posse Resources. As heard on podcast episode 252. <laughs> Got to go digging. I'll hold two back. Anyway, I wanted to reach out and ask what I can do to help change the negative public perception of the industry. Willing to donate my time and or money to help. Love the podcast. Thanks, Pager Mark. 
her or his name, Taylor George, it sounds familiar. It does. Yeah. I can't place it, though. So, Taylor, thank you, thank you, thank you for reaching out. We definitely want your help. I will reach out to you after this podcast directly, but just really appreciate it. And if folks, you don't know what Taylor's talking about, I made a request at the end of last year that, look, we have a once-in-a-lifetime chance during this energy shorts, the global energy shorts, to change the public perception of our industry. And OGGN is dedicated to help doing that, but we need some help. I need donations, I need money to buy pro oil and gas books for school kids, and I need people to volunteer an hour or two of work a week. So Taylor, I'll be reaching out to you. Anybody else out there that wants to support our industry, let me know. And any little thing will help. 50 cents, 30 minutes, whatever. Just give me what you can, because I'm telling you, we have a chance to actually turn this tide around, and, and we're going to work really hard to make it happen. Okay, so the next one's from Sarah, Project Applications Engineer at Caterpillar. Hi, Mark and Paige. I often hear energy conversations in the public framed as, quote, oil and gas equals bad and electrification and green energy equals good, end quote. The conversation often pits these two industries against each other rather than exploring how they can complement each other as if it's a zero-sum game. I don't often see the oil and gas industry's messaging directed at how green energy and fossil fuels can complement each other. What could you do to change that messaging and perhaps the public's understanding of how we can work together? What a great Fantastic question. question. So, Sarah, thank you for that. And actually, Paige, you have a history, Caterpillar, I believe. Oh, okay. So I launched Industry Leaders at the Caterpillar booth at OTC, what, three, four, five, I did five, five years, years ago? ago? Yeah. There's a picture out on Facebook somewhere. On the, yeah. But we had a great time. Sarah, so number one, biggest thing is education. And part of that is the oil and gas industry leaders have to learn that the renewables are not competition. They're a market for us. Quite frankly. Well, you need oil and gas to build green, right? Yeah. Well, quite I frankly, mean, you couldn't yeah. build a windmill or a solar panel without hydrocarbons, right? And so the other thing is a lot of people don't understand that because the oil and gas industry tends to operate in the middle of nowhere, and we've always done that, most of the innovations in renewables, we invented. Lithium-ion batteries. Exxon invented that because they had needed longer battery life and their land operations. Actually, I think it was in Siberia and Russia. High-efficiency solar cells. Oil and gas industry invented that too. Hydrogen, we've been messing with that for a long time. So we just need more education. And the other thing is the renewable side of the industry, especially here in Europe, is now facing a lot of the backlash that we faced 10 years ago. You hear about windmills killing birds and solar taking up too much land and changing the drainage and the water absorption of, of the ground. So they're facing the same type of backlash and, and scrutiny scrutiny that we have. And it only makes sense for us to partner together. Here at OGGN, we see everything as energy. As long as it makes business sense, we're, we're fine with it. Nuclear is one that nobody talks about. Yeah. Nuclear is probably the safest way to generate electricity there is. And yet, because of a very good marketing campaign by Greenpeace in the 70s, most of the world doesn't want to touch nuclear. And you're seeing countries in Europe right now talking about closing their nuclear power plants while they can't buy enough gas to heat the homes for their population. Don't so, we have like two nuclear plants here in Texas? I think we do. Actually, we just, we're just we just messing with that the other day. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait, plants. this sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sarah, the answer to the question is there needs to be, a, first thing, a change in education. There also needs to be a change in the oil and gas industry's perception of renewables as competition because they're really not. And on the renewable side, they need to see us as an ally because we've already been through that war once. Yeah. We're still fighting it now. Exactly. We can help you mm -hmm. fight it in a way that makes business sense. You know, you can why reinvent the wheel when, when you can come to our side. So, and I've had multiple conversations lately, Sarah, especially with a lot of younger people who want this to happen. So I also think that the demand of at least the U.S. citizens will eventually get to the point where we see it all as energy and we don't see any of it 
as better or worse than the other. I hope. Fingers crossed. Good question, though, Sarah. Very good question. We'll probably be dead. Anyway, <laughs> not, not to be negative Nancy here, but I'm just saying. Anyway, all right. Next question is from Brendan Webb. Ooh, I know this person. We both know Brendan. Yeah. Sales development specialist at H&P. Mark had a great point in the Thanksgiving edition of the pod. It takes 644 million kilowatts of energy to make a Thanksgiving dinner in the United States. And when you do the math for everyone eating Thanksgiving dinner in the United States, it's enough energy to power a laptop for two years. I shared this on my social media pages and one of my friends challenged me. This person said that a typical laptop takes 200 watts to run per hour times 24 hours times 365 days divided by a thousand brings the total to 1,753 kilowatts. Can you share your thoughts on this? I love being able to share information like this, but I also want to be able to make sure I'm not spreading incorrect information. Love you too and Merry Christmas. P.S. Paige, thanks for the shout out on the show a few weeks back. You made my day. You're welcome. Brendan scored two shout outs. I know. <laughs> Go, Brendan. All right. So first thing, there's a small little error in your math that you threw out there, Brendan, in the fact that I said it would power laptop for two years. So that 365 days number should really be whatever is 365 times two is seven, whatever. But this is the way it works. About 53 million people last year celebrate Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Each one of them used about 12.1, 12.2 million kilowatt hours. All right. That's where that 644 million kilowatt hours comes from. Now, if you divide that, it ends up coming out to 1,673 kilowatts per day, right? And then your number for the laptop was 1,753. So awfully close. So there's there's where the math came from. So there's enough people <laughs> eating Thanksgiving dinner in the U.S. last year. And if you take that energy they used to create that Thanksgiving dinner, it would literally power your laptop for two years. Now, Every laptop's different, right? So there's you can squinch these numbers any way you want. But that's where the math came from. All that stuff's public records. There's actually there's a group that follows holiday statistics, and it's actually fascinating. If I think about it, Brendan, I'll find those statistics, and I'll drop them in your inbox. But thanks for reaching out again. All right. The next one is from Anna Bam. Hello. So, Paige. <laughs> I'm not reading Wait, this. no. Remember when you said you don't put all the questions in here, and I go, <laughs> next time I will? So, you have to read this. I will read. I will read, no, read the some, whole thing. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, all guys. I know my message may be too specific, but my sister found a nice man here, and they are married. So, how about me? Smiley face. I am 27 years old, Alina from Romania. No English and Russian languages also. And I have a specific disease named nymphophemia. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what this is? Can, can understand me better to say it immediately. Ah, yes, I cook very tasty. <laughs> and I love not only cook. I am real girl, not prostitute. And looking for serious and hot relationship. Hey, how did they know our names? <laughs> they listen to the show, Paige. Anyway, Mark and Paige, can you help? You can find my profile here. Now that's we're, intelligent. We're not but... putting that link. Anywhere. No, I didn't click on it. But this is one of the many questions that never make it to the first Friday Q and A. So now you see why. <laughs> now, what's funny about this is. If I'm understanding her correctly, not only she listened to her show, but her sister met her husband somehow because of the show, right? Now, as far as her disease, I'm sure she'll have to figure it out herself. All right. Anyway, next question. <laughs> but but I am no longer putting these in here. This is why I okay. don't put every question in there. Point taken. Thank you. <laughs> Duly noted. 
All right. So the next one's from Anonymous. Hi, Mark and Paige. I would like to thank you guys for what I think is one of the best business podcasts out there. Thank I you. think, yeah, I know, right? I think the oil and gas industry is one of the most exciting and dynamic industries that has everything from business and finance to geopolitics to innovative technologies. And your podcast does an amazing job helping those like me to keep up to date. I wanted to ask a question on MBA recruitment within the industry. Are there employment opportunities, particularly on the business and financial side or finance side for MBA students? And what are the best ways to approach networking and recruitment, especially for those who are outside of Texas or Louisiana? Thank you very much and best of luck with everything you guys are doing. Thanks. So anonymous is actually anonymous five. So anonymous five, (laughs) good question. Let me tell you, and you can think I'm crazy. Look up Tudor Pickering Holt. And then look up all of their competitors. These are investment banks that do research that invest money in the oil and gas and energy space. They actively recruit MBAs. It's almost like it's crazy how actively they, they recruit from universities all over the world. So my advice to you is get a list of take get Tudor Pickering Holt and then get a list of their competitors and just reach out to them and tell them you're interested in work with them, especially you're interested in research around oil and gas. And I promise you, you'll have some productive conversations and probably get multiple offers. As far as networking outside of Texas and Louisiana, he didn't say where he's from. So if you're in the U.S., you know, right now we OGG does this little networking event here in Houston. But this year we have 11 cities we're expanding to the rest of the U.S. So if, if you're in one of those cities, just pay attention to what we're doing. And if you come to one of our industry mixers, find me and I'll, I'll happy make introductions. Other than that, I would look at industry associations. Like so SPE, SPE API. API. And see if there's one in your area. Join. And then people, if you listen to the show for any length of time, you've heard me say this before. But participate. Don't just join, but show up. Volunteer for their golf games, their fundraisers and everything. And after a period of time, people will get to know you and they'll trust you and they'll start making introductions inside the industry. Hey, had I not volunteered for API YP, I wouldn't be here. Oh, that's true. That's Because literally- I volunteered for the Rick Tour. Yeah, that's 100% true. So that, this is, I am... Living proof. Yes, exactly. So Anonymous 5, hopefully that's helpful to you. All right, so the next one's from Sarah Mason, Director of Investor Relations at Dominion. Guys, I absolutely love your show. Paige, what is going on in your state of Texas with Senate Bill 13? Is your state government actually pushing back on companies that boycott fossil fuel companies but use hydrocarbons in their manufacturing? If so, how do we get more state politicians to grow a set and fight back like this? Texas rocks. Well, it went effective September 1st of last year. It was signed within three months of it even being authored. And for those that don't know a little bit of what Senate Bill 13 actually is, I actually printed out the bill analysis. Mark makes fun of me for my paper trail. So I can kind of give a little bit of a rundown. So basically, the oil and gas sector is comprised between 40 and 30 and 40 percent of the state's economic activity over the past decade. And in recent years, a number of corporations have begun to prioritize their involvement in social issues such as environmentalism instead of focusing solely on their fiduciary responsibility. When state agencies contract with or invest funds in companies that boycott fossil fuel-based energy companies, it has a direct and adverse effect on Texas economy. So... That's awesome. I know. (laughs) so awesome. So what Senate Bill 13 does, it sets out exemptions for applicable state governmental entity and the comptroller from certain conflicting statutory or common law obligations and the condition under which the state is required to indemnify and hold harmless for actual damages to certain people and entities. 
It sets out prohibitions against suit or pursuit of a private cause of action for any claim or cause of action in connection with actions made or taken for purpose of the bill's provisions prohibiting investment in companies that boycott energy companies. It also exempts an applicable state governmental entity from requirement of those bill provisions if the entity determines that the requirement would be inconsistent with its fiduciary responsibility with respect to the investment of the entity assets for other duties imposed by law relating to the investment of entity assets, including the duty of care established under the Texas Constitution, and it authorizes the comptroller and in an applicable state entity to rely on financial companies' response to a notice or communication made in relation to the investment prohibition without conducting any further investigation research or inquiry. So basically, if you're a company and you want to do business with the state of Texas and you dog fossil fuels, the state of Texas will go, nope. Yep. And I have tried to find if there has been an instance yet to where they had to enforce this. And I haven't seen one yet. This is so. awesome. Who brought this in? This was Sarah Mason. Sarah, Sarah, well, Sarah. investor relations. I mean, this is awesome for sending this to you. I wasn't even aware of this. I didn't realize Texas did this. All right, Paige, what about her second part of her question? How do we get more <laughs> politicians to grow a set? Well, I mean, these are all based off of committees. So, you know, lobbyists go to politicians going, hey, you can get this. I'll give you this if you give me this. Write your senator. Write, write your, your congressperson. Vote, people. See, little stuff like this that you don't think makes Show up difference. to committee hearings. Yeah, yeah. Volunteer. Go out to committee hearings. Great. Make sure you vote. Make sure you understand who you're voting for, who, what they support. And honestly, like Paige said, literally write your senator and your representatives, right? They work for you. And I know that sounds like kind of far featuring, but they really do. Well, so and Sarah, then this was, it was, this was based off of 12 Republican sponsors. It was six senators and then six House representatives that signed all this. I love this. I didn't even know this was this. So Sarah, thanks for sending this in. Yeah. All right. So next question is from George Fontenot. Portfolio Manager at ExxonMobil. My favorite podcast of all time. Who would have ever thought that an oil and gas podcast would grow so big and have so much reach? I thank both of you for supporting our industry in such a unique and valuable way. Now to my question. JP Morgan Global Equity Research predicts the oil price to hit $125 this year, $150 in 2023 due to capacity-led shortfalls in OPEC plus production. But Mark, your predictions on prices is much lower. 78 dollars per barrel average if i remember correctly why the big difference and i am all in for helping sponsor an oggn crawfish bowl you talked about a few months ago just let me know how i can help well first off george you can just sponsor me because i'm <laughs> expensive enough i will eat all the crawfish that font known last thing kind yeah, of I, well away. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and his name sounds so familiar george i think we know you or think we've at least met you somewhere i don't know where or how but your name sounds familiar but anyway thanks for writing in the difference between a JP Morgan numbers at 125 this year and 150 next year, and my number at 78, one word or two words actually, clickbait. Mm. JP Morgan wrote that so people go oh, and click on the article. If they did any research whatsoever, and I mean any research, those two numbers are just way out, way out in left field, not even close. We may hit a spike. So if Russia goes to war with Ukraine or if we have a big disturbance in the Middle East, we will have a spike and we'll get well over $100, but it's a temporary spike. It's not going to be the average for that year. And we don't want that spike because at that point, production is going to increase and we're going to flood the market again. So JP Morgan, you know, if you'd like to come on the podcast and debate me about this, I'd be happy to do it. I'll call my bank. But I, I stick stick to my $78 a barrel average for this year. Next year, I do think it will go up, but we're too far away. And after going 
through 2020, I'm not making these two-year predictions anymore. <laughs> That's <laughs> Oh, fair. and as far as the crawfish bowl, we're doing this, so we'll make sure we keep you in the loop. All right, next one. Jennifer Williams, Senior Project Accountant at BP. You two ruled the airwaves over here. We call you the power couple of hydrocarbons. <laughs> so super fans of the show and of industry leaders. Awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. What's your take on the whole energy transition? Political bullshit, future reality, or somewhere in between? And Mark's transitions have become worse, but Paige <laughs> making fun of them has gotten better. <laughs> hey, Jennifer. Hey, that's, that's not right. <laughs> Don't suck, Mark. True. <laughs> You know, it's really funny. I don't know if you've noticed, but this first Friday Q&A, people are being more themselves. You're seeing more real language. Yeah. Other than that young woman's disease. Oh, my God. Uh, that's but, enough. <laughs> but, but I like this. What's the reality? A lot of it, quite honestly, is political bullshit. Very f- upfront. You look at all the ESG funds last year, they've all underperformed, even the average of the NASDAQ. Some of them have lost 80 or 90% of their value. Now, don't get me wrong. I think ESG is important. I'm glad that it's become an issue, especially the government's part and the social part. But our industry has always taken to heart protecting the environment, protecting its people, making sure they protect their shareholders and provide value to, to their employees, right? And so this trying to move away from hydrocarbons politically, you've seen in states and countries try to do it way too fast and they're paying the price for it there's gonna be backlash to that but our energy mix jennifer has always changed we you know when we were living in small tribal groups we use biofuel right we burn wood and then later we start using coal and then we figured out that you could kill whales and boil their fat and light our homes with that and then we figured out kerosene and then later gasoline and then nuclear and wind and solar you know, nuclear fission, nuclear fusion, geothermal, low temp geothermal. So our energy mix is changing and always will change as we go through time. So the reality is our energy mix is changing and a lot of that will be toward the renewable or greener side of the industry. I hate that word green, but a lot of the stuff you're seeing about will be carbon neutral in 2020 or 2025 is mostly bullshit. And even the definition of what carbon neutral is, nobody's really figured it out. And you can actually game the system. There is a company, and I'm not going to mention the name because I think they're under litigation, but some major, some of the largest tech companies in the world, one of them we know very well, bought fake carbon offset credits, millions of dollars of fake offset credits. They got scammed, right? And it's some very big tech companies. So, you know, that's That's pretty sad. It really is sad. And what happened, the scam was you buy these carbon offset credits, we plant trees. What this company did for three years, they didn't plant a single freaking tree for three years. And yet they took everybody's money, you know? So thank you. I'm not sure about, quite sure about the power couple of hydrocarbons, but I'll take that. (laughs) And I think I'll work on my transitions as well, Jennifer. (laughs) All right. Last question is from Matt Silva, business development at Chevron. Hi, Mark and Paige. Love the show. Can't stop recommending it to my customers and colleagues. My New Year's resolution is to gain a better understanding of our industry's past, present, and future. Can you recommend three to five resources, books, blogs, podcasts, etc., for early career oil and gas employee gain a better picture of the industry? To make it more challenging, I will bar you from recommending anything on the OGGN network. All the content is great, and everyone who listens to your show should make time to check out at least one other. Happy New Year's, y'all. I love Matt. He reaches out you know, <laughs> once a quarter, a couple times a year. He always has the best questions. You he are has bad. a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, clearly. A um, couple of things, Matt. So books, Fundamentals of Oil and Gas, for Industry for Beginners, and Oil 101, that has to be on any new employees or somebody's learned their list. 
videos. Check out Oilfield Basics and then also Oil & Gas Video. I know it sounds like a generic search term, but literally the YouTube channel is called Oil & Gas Videos. So there are some video places for you to go. And as far as podcasts, you know, that's a hard one. There's now hundreds of oil and gas podcasts out there. We know most of them, almost all of them we look at as family, is not competition. We love to support them. But it depends on what you want to do with the podcast. If you want to listen to, if you want to learn and listen to business leaders, you know, talk about what's really going on. The one podcast I would recommend is, is the Drill Down podcast. That's Marty. Is that Marty Stetson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, do yeah. a really great job of breaking down the whole industry to its very basics, you know, upstream, midstream, downstream service, and the financial side of it as well. But other than that, Russell Treat's show is pretty good. Yeah, Pipeliner. Yeah, so, you know, but his show is just around pipelines. So when you're trying to think of other shows, other podcasts that look at the whole industry, that would be educational. It's hard for I'm me to drawing call. a blank yeah. because all of my books are in my office. Well, I'm drawing a blank, even though I know all these other oil and gas podcasters, and a lot of their shows are good. A lot of their shows are entertaining, but they're not something you'd use to educate somebody that's new to the industry. That's true. Yeah. But there you go, Matt. Start with Fundamentals of Oil and Gas and Oil 101 is books for videos. Daniel, out. anything Daniel Jurgen. Yep. Also check out uh, Oilfield Basics and Oil and Gas videos. And for the podcast, check out the Drill Down podcast. Hopefully that's helpful to you. Yeah. Hey, Paige. What? Guess what people can't get now? The t-shirt. The shirt is gone, folks. So what are if we you doing didn't now? get one, we what? don't know yet. Oh. <laughs> so well, y'all get... better make up y'all mine. Yeah, if you didn't get a shirt, it's too late. They're highly collectible. I heard they're going to pass up Bitcoin as far as value. <laughs> Their value is raising so quickly. Yeah, okay. So you'll be trading those IBM shirts on some platform online somewhere. But we will have a new giveaway from IBM. Audience, if you don't tell us what you want... Paige and I and you know Jason what? Duff with IBM are going to pick this out ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have good taste. I don't know about the other two, but <laughs> I'll take credit where credit's due. Uh, I will agree with that. So reach out to us. Let us know what you'd like to give away. I mean, literally, I'm asking you to tell me what you want me to give you for free. And if you can't spend five minutes online to answer that, and then also remember the reviews as well. And then if you're in Houston, go check out the Canon. Mention OGG at the front desk, and they will give you a free co-working space. Won't even try to sell you anything. Weekly rig count. Where are we? As of December 31st in the United States, we're at 586. No change. Canada is at 90, down 43. Jeez. Yeah, that's a... But you know what, But we're up 31 from last year. But you know what? Winter's hitting in Canada. Yeah. And depending on where you are, once you have that permanently... Winter is coming. Once you have that mushy ground, you can't do a lot until it actually freezes solid. Yeah. So maybe that's what that's for. Uh, Probably. No, great point. And then the only update we have is from November... For international. So we're still at 817 of okay, 17. Good numbers. Yeah. Speaking of good numbers, go to LinkedIn. Anything that has OGGN. You know what, Paige? Mm. I've been saying that for years. Do you know there's another OGGN on LinkedIn? Go to Oil and Gas Global Network. Yeah. yeah the other OGGN has nothing to do with oil and gas. I wonder how many people have joined them from our podcast not knowing it's not us. I don't know. I don't know either. They well, were, here's your, here's here's your, your tip morning. off. <laughs> oh, the other thing, too, is I'm still seeing people sign up for the street team on our Facebook page, and I just saw one this morning came in. No, that's not that. I archived it. Oh, you archived it, so it's people not can't any, join no. on Facebook. No. Okay. No, I'll, it's a different group. Okay. Okay, so, then anyway. never mind. Just go to LinkedIn, join OGGN. We have a bunch of new stuff coming out this year, people. New shows, new podcasts, new sponsors, new pricing models. Give us a little bit of time. We'll get all that out to you publicly as soon as we can. But other than that, happy new year. I'm really looking forward to this year, 2022. I think it's going to be probably the best year in the last two, at least. It's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, I mean, 2021 took Betty White, so 
it's all looking up from here. Yeah. And then finally, if you want me or any of our experts to come speak at your event or moderate a panel, because we now have a new panel moderator. In the oh, group, hush. <laughs> let me know. Be happy to share those details. And then this is First Friday Q&A. You know the drill. If you'd like to submit a question and we read your question on the air, you'll get a big shout out. Unless you are a bot <laughs> or you're anonymous. I mean, we'll. No, no. We take anonymous questions. I know. Well, well we're a, not getting a shout out because yeah. we can't say their name because we don't know their right. name. Anyway, either go to oilandgasthisweek.com or OGGN. There's a place for you to ask your questions. Ready to get out of here? Yes, I'm hungry. All right. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.